An angel appears at a faculty meeting at a university, and there are faculty heads, and the dean is, is there, and the, the angel says to the dean, I give you a choice between infinite wealth, infinite wisdom, or infinite beauty. Without hesitation, the dean says, infinite wisdom. The angel says, it is done, poof, disappears. The dean sits there with a contemplative look on his face. A, a, a faint halo of light is around his head. And all the faculty heads turn towards the dean in silence. And finally, one of them says, well, the dean looks and says, I should have taken the money. This morning, we're going to continue with our sermon series on the book of James. We've been examining this letter from James to the uh, early Christians in the church, and we've been talking about where the rubber meets the road. Where does our faith intersect with our actions? How mature is our faith in Jesus Christ? How are we growing up in our faith? Are we becoming more Christ-like? Are we becoming more whole? Are we becoming more complete? Are we becoming more like Jesus? Is our faith more than just mere lip service? We looked at having a mature understanding of trials and temptations. We examined the issue of favoritism. We discovered that a mature faith is one that is demonstrated by good deeds and is lived out on a daily basis. Last week, we looked at taming the tongue and how difficult that is. This week, we're going to look at two different kinds of wisdom. We're going to compare worldly wisdom with heavenly wisdom, false wisdom to true wisdom. And we're going to do this in two ways. First, we're going to look at what wisdom is not. And then we're going to look at what wisdom is. If you've got a Bible, or if you can locate one, turn to James chapter 3. And we're going to look at verses 13 through 18. James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual of the devil. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness." First, James says that the wisdom of the world is envious. Wisdom that is envious is not true wisdom. That's false wisdom. It's worldly wisdom. But how can wisdom be envious? The person who considers himself wise will not harbor bitter envy towards anyone, will not be envious towards anyone. In James's day, there were quarrels and fights within the church, just as there are now. A church fighting? A church quarreling? What are you talking about, Sean? I have never heard of such a thing. Mm -hmm. There were teachers in the church who were bitterly jealous. They were self-seeking and only wanted to have the glory all for themselves. That is why James warns those who wanted to be teachers uh, and leaders early in the passage in, in chapter 3. Uh, he says that those who desire to teach are going to be judged by a higher standard. More strictly is how James puts it in chapter 3 verse 1. The wisdom that these teachers possessed was a bitterly envious kind of wisdom. What does bitter envy do? What does envy do? It, cre it brings about strife and discord. Verse 16 says that where you have envy, you have every kind of evil practice and disorder. 
These teachers and Christians who used their minds, uh, who used their uh, wisdom, and they were filled with envy, would stir up trouble in the church. Can't stand it when that happens. When people start getting envious and jealous of one another, and, and they just they become real bitter and, and just bleh to be around, and they create all kinds of problems and difficulties for everybody else in the church. If they couldn't have it their way, then they caused strife and discord. They would rather have chaos than to have someone be honored above themselves. James says that every evil practice comes about because of envy and selfish ambition. The wisdom of the world that is bitterly jealous goes hand in hand with selfish ambition. It's all about me. It's all about getting my way. It's all about doing what I want. It's all about having what I need and having what I want. That's bitter envy. James also says that true wisdom is not selfish. True wisdom is not used to satisfy the desires, the selfish desires of a teacher or a Christian. We must all face the fact that each of us, in one way or another, has selfish desires. Me? No. Selfishness? Far from it. I'm a selfless, uh, giving kind of a person, Sean. I'm going to tune out for the next few minutes because you're obviously not talking to me. You know what? We all have a little selfish ambition. We are often motivated by feelings of selfishness. It may be something as simple as wanting the remote control during prime time. Anybody face that selfish ambition? That's why God invented TiVo. And if you have TiVo, you can record the show you want, record your wife's show while you get to watch what you want, right? No? No? It might be something as serious, though, as wanting to exercise control over a church. Have you ever seen people like that? People say, you know what, this is my church, and I'm going to run it the way I want to run it. I'm going to do things the way I want to do them because I have to satisfy my own ego. There are church leaders and pastors who do that. I'm going to get my way, and it's my way or the highway. And if you don't like it, you can get out. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Selfish ambition, according to James, is a dangerous thing. Along with envy, selfish ambition leads to disorder and every evil practice. The teacher or church leader that is full of selfish ambition will use his or her mind to grab power or to get ahead. And that is not using wisdom properly. That is not what true wisdom does. Or they may use their minds only to serve themselves and satisfy their own desires. This wisdom that uh, does not have its source... Uh, from above, as James says, this wisdom is earthly, it's unspiritual, it's of the devil. The King James says that this wisdom is devilish. That the devil is all about pleasing himself. The devil is all about selfish ambition. The devil is all about selfishness. And when we are selfish and we are full of selfish ambition, we're just like him. Selfish ambition and bitter envy are tools that the devil uses to tear apart a church. James says that those who, who have bitter envy and selfish ambition in their hearts should not boast about having such earthly wisdom, nor should they deny the truth that this is the state of their hearts. True wisdom is not selfish. True wisdom, James also says, is not earthly. The wisdom of the world is earthly, unspiritual, or as the King James Version says, sensual. It's of the devil. Paul wrote about worldly wisdom in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 through 25. 1 Corinthians 1, 20 through 25. It says, where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? 
Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ has the, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Um, earthly wisdom denies that Jesus Christ is God's son. Earthly wisdom denies that Jesus Christ is God's son. Earthly wisdom denies that salvation is found in Jesus Christ. Earthly wisdom denies that, Je that salvation is found in Jesus Christ alone. Earthly wisdom says there are many paths that lead to God. You know, I like what uh, one preacher said. He said, there, uh, he said, all roads lead to God, but only one road leads to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. You see, all roads, all religious roads, all paths will lead you to God's throne. His throne of judgment. Only one road will lead you to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ alone. The world demands some sort of miraculous sign. If this is all true, then show me something. Prove it to me. The world demands some kind of intellectual giant. You know what? Then reason with me. If you can't prove it to me through some, sign, some kind of miraculous sign, then reason with me. Show me the rationality of what you believe. True wisdom, though, is not earthly. James says that the wisdom of the world, as, uh, as envious and selfish as it is, is not of the God, but it is of the devil. It is the devil who is the source of all kinds of envy and selfish ambition. It is the devil who seeks to destroy. It is the devil who wants to tear churches apart. And the devil creates bitter envy and selfish ambition. It's, it's so important that we seek true wisdom, that we seek the wisdom of God. That we use the minds that God has given us. We use the brains that God has given us in order to further his kingdom. In order to bring people together. In order to bring the church together rather than let the church be torn apart. Because when churches fight, when churches tear at each other, when churches gossip about one another, when churches rip each other and tear each other down and backstab each other, when there is bitter, bitter selfish ambition and envy, the world notices that. The world will look at a church and say, that church has got problems. Those people don't even like each other. They're envious. They, they, they can't stand one another. They, they don't sit next to each other. They don't acknowledge one another when they're outside of the building. That church don't even like each other. Why would I want to go there? Why would I want to be a part of that? If that church can't even care about one another, why are they going to care about me? True wisdom. What is it? That's what we're going to look at next. Um. Let's look at what true wisdom is by examining five characteristics of wisdom. This is the five characteristics of heavenly wisdom, according to James. The first characteristic of true wisdom is that true wisdom is pure. It is the opposite of worldly wisdom. True wisdom comes from above, from a pure father. Proverbs 2.6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. True wisdom has a pure source and is itself pure. That means that truly wise, the truly wise person has pure motives. They are not self-seeking. They are not bitterly envious. In fact, they are just the opposite. The person filled with worldly wisdom seeks to use wisdom for their own advantage. The person filled with true wisdom seeks to use wisdom for the benefit of others. Their motives are pure in serving the Lord and serving others. That's so important. 
Why do you use your brain? Why do you use your mind? Why do you use the wisdom that God has given you? What is its purpose? Is it merely to get ahead? Is it merely to puff yourself up? Look at me. Look how smart I am. No, the person filled with true wisdom seeks to use wisdom for the benefit of others. Their motives are pure. They live a life of moral and spiritual integrity. They have a pure character. No one would question their motives. The wisdom that the Lord gives is used to build up his kingdom and to bring about peace. James was writing to a Jewish audience, and the Jewish idea of wisdom is not merely trivial knowledge, but something put into action. How many of you remember the show, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? All right. Or uh, Jeopardy. Anybody watch Jeopardy? Love Jeopardy. Oh, I don't like to brag. I don't like to boast, but I'm good at Jeopardy. I'm good at Jeopardy. Uh, Shannon sits there and watches me play Jeopardy, and she's like, how do you know that? Shannon, what is your nickname for me? Walking Encyclopedia of Useless Information. I know stuff that nobody should know. All right? I know stuff. I have trivial knowledge. But do I have wisdom? When Who Wants to Be a Millionaire was coming was on, I tried to get on the show. They, they would open up the phone lines to, to call in and take the little uh, telephone test. And I passed it like three different times. Yet they never called me. They never called me back to say, hey, why don't you come to New York and meet Regis? I'd love to meet Regis. Regis is a Notre Dame fan. Moment of silence, please. I almost had to deliver this sermon from a hospital bed because I nearly had a heart attack during yesterday's Notre Dame-USC game. Wisdom is not trivial knowledge. Wisdom is not merely trivia. It's not knowing that the Civil War took place from 1861 to 1865. Trivial knowledge is not wisdom. Wisdom, as James says in verse 13, is demonstrated by action. I think it's like the difference between going to a doctor and and the doctor talking about a procedure and then the doctor actually doing the procedure. A doctor might have a lot of knowledge about a life-saving procedure, but unless he is able to put that knowledge into action, it doesn't do anyone any good. And you and me must have more than just head knowledge of the scriptures. We must have more than just knowledge about who Jesus Christ is. There has to be a difference in the way that we live or else all the knowledge we have makes no difference. If there is nothing different about me because I know Jesus, then I know nothing. I have no wisdom. I don't even have knowledge if I don't put it into action. Knowledge of Christ, knowing Christ, has to change the way I live. It has to change the way I think. It has to change the words I say. It has to change the things I do. Talking about being a Christian and being a Christian are two different things. A wise person once said, sitting in a, oh, how's it go? Sitting in a church pew doesn't make you any more of a Christian than sitting in your garage makes you a Chevrolet. Something along those lines. Okay? I can talk a good game. I can come to church on a Sunday morning. I can lift my hands. I can sing the songs. I can go through the motions. But is it impacting the way I live Monday through Saturday? The things that I say, the things that I think, the things that I do. Is there a difference in the way that I live? 
or am I just giving lip service to Christ? If I know enough about Christ to write a biography about him but never change the way I live, what good does all that knowledge do? Absolutely none. Jesus said in Matthew eleven nineteen, wisdom is proved right by her actions. True wisdom is demonstrated in good deeds, and that begins with purity. Pure motives, pure wisdom. The second characteristic of true wisdom is that it is peace-loving. We talked earlier about bitter envy and selfish ambition and what they do. They create strife and they create discord. If you have a teacher or leader who is determined to get their own way, is determined to have it their way, then you have chaos and dissension and fighting. The man or woman who is truly wise loves peace. He or she does not want to see discord and fighting in the church. He or she does not want to bring about dissension. They use their minds to bring about peace between those who are at war with one another. Let's face it, we're all human. Every single one of us. We're all human beings. We all fall short. We all sin. We all uh, uh, are sinners. The church is full of fallen sinners who are more often than not less than perfect. Anybody here think they're perfect? Let me tell you, the guy on stage doesn't either. There are going to be, there's going to be a time when we do not agree with everything that is going on in our congregation. There will be these times when we have battles and quarrels, and the truly wise leader does not seek to gain an advantage over uh, the side who disagrees with him or her. The leader who is truly wise will seek to bring about peace between uh, quarreling factions. The truly wise leader will use his or her mind to bring warring factions together until a consensus can be reached. The leader who is full of worldly wisdom and is selfish seeks to divide, seeks to grab power, and refuses to let go until he gets his way. The leader who is full of the wisdom of God will seek, about, seek to bring about peace to the situation, the peace of God to a turbulent situation. The leader who is truly wise knows that the church is distracted from her true calling when there is internal strength internal strife and fighting if a church is doing this all the time if the church is fighting with each other all the time it is a complete distraction from our mission of loving god loving others and spreading the gospel if we're fighting with each other all the time how can we be loving others how can we be loving each other if all the time we're just fighting with one another how can we be spreading the gospel if we can't get along we can't we get distracted from our mission from our focus from our purpose we get distracted from it when we do not uh, use true wisdom for true wisdom's purpose. A church that is focused, focused inwardly on battles has lost sight of her mission to focus outwardly and to reach lost souls that are bound for hell. The devil wants nothing more than to create an atmosphere of fighting and war within a church. He would rather see a church fighting with each other than fighting against him. Does that make sense? The devil would rather see us fighting with one another than fighting against him. Because when we're fighting against him, when the power of the Holy Spirit, when the power of Christ is behind us and working in us and working through us to overcome the gates of hell, the devil's on the run. But when we're fighting against one another, when we are battling each other, when we are tearing each other down and ripping each other apart, we have no energy left to fight the true battle, to fight the true enemy. And that can't be. The truly wise leader seeks to create peace as quickly as possible so that the true battle for the souls of humanity may resume. No one is one to Christ when a church is fighting against itself. True wisdom is used to bring about peace. James says that true wisdom is considerate and submissive. In other words, true wisdom puts others first. And it's just the opposite of worldly wisdom. 
Remember, James says that the worldly wisdom, the devilish wisdom is full of selfish ambition, putting the self first. I must put me first, me first, me first. It's all about me. True wisdom just does, the, does just the opposite. True wisdom puts others first. It is considerate of others. A church leader will be wise in dealing with other people and will know how to be considerate of other people's needs. Some versions translate this word as gentle. True wisdom is gentle. 2 Timothy 2, 24 and 25 says, And the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a, true, to a knowledge of the truth. We need leaders in our church who are gentle with new believers and who are considerate of their needs. This passage also says that true wisdom is submissive. Again, putting others first. The truly wise per, per person submits to the authority of the leaders of the church. The leader, though, doesn't lord their authority over their followers either. In Ephesians, Paul said, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to each other. We submit to the leaders of our church. We submit to each other. We serve one another. We love one another. We put others first. We do away with selfish ambition, and we live lives of selflessness and putting others first. This is a sign of the truly mature wisdom that comes from God. The fourth characteristic of true wisdom is that it bears fruit. James says that true wisdom is full of mercy and full of good fruit. The person who is truly wise knows the importance of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Instead of keeping score with everyone who has wronged you, show mercy to those who hurt you and sin against you. James said earlier in chapter 2, verse 13, that judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. True wisdom is merciful. True wisdom bears good fruit. The Christian who is truly wise will live a life that demonstrates the same mercy that he or she has received from Christ through his death on the cross. Each of us has been shown mercy. We, we do not get what we truly deserve. What we deserve is hell. What we deserve is eternal death. But that's not what we get because of God's mercy, because God who is rich in mercy, because of his mercy, he keeps us from that. Because of our sins, we deserve an eternity separated from God in hell. But because God, who is rich in mercy, he loved us so much, he sent Jesus to die on the cross to keep us from what we so truly deserve. The truly wise person will recognize what God has done for them and will uh, model mercy to those around him or her. The truly wise person is merciful. And the truly wise person also bears good fruit. I turn to Galatians 5, and 23 to discover what kind of fruit comes from true wisdom. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit working the life of a Christian. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control, faithfulness. These are the character traits of someone who is truly wise and has received godly wisdom from above. Finally, the fifth characteristic of true wisdom is that it is undivided. The King James says that without, it is without partiality and without hypocrisy. The New American Standard says it is unwavering and without hypocrisy. The NIV says impartial and sincere. It all boils down to being undivided. There are no divided loyalties in the heart of the one who is truly wise. They do not show favoritism like we talked about a couple of weeks ago. They are sincere in their faith and their commitment to Jesus Christ. They are not hypocritical with the divided loyalty between Christ and their own selfish ambition. And then James closes this passage with a little proverb of his own. 
He uses an agricultural illustration to demonstrate what true wisdom brings about. He says that peacemakers who sow in peace raise a harvest of righteousness. The one who is truly wise, the one who is truly wise sows a seed of true wisdom in peace. The seed grows into fruit, which is righteousness. And true wisdom leads to righteousness, doing the right thing. Those who use their wisdom to bring about peace when there is discord will sow a seed of wisdom and watch it produce righteousness. Where there is fighting and discord, there is no righteousness. Everybody's focused on themselves. Everybody's focused on doing what they want. Everyone's focused on getting their way. And no one is focused on doing the right thing. So what about you? When it comes down to it, when the rubber meets the road, are you sowing a seed of true wisdom that will bring about righteousness? Or are you feeding the fires of discord and chaos with worldly wisdom full of selfish ambition and bitter envy? Jesus Christ came to earth to be a peacemaker. That's what he is. He's a peacemaker. He brings peace between God and sinners. He brings peace between those who are far from God and God himself. He brings us close to God. He bridges the gap. He bridges the divide and makes it possible for us to have a relationship with God, our Father. He suffered on the cross to build a, a bridge of peace between God and us. Every Sunday we offer an invitation. Today is no different. If you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, we offer that invitation at this time. Last week, Felicia came and she gave her life to Christ and was baptized for the forgiveness of her sins. Maybe today is your day. Maybe you've never been baptized and, and today is the day that you want to express your faith in baptism. We pray that you would come forward today. Or maybe today is the day that you want to join our family, that you want to become part of our family here at First Christian. We invite you to come forward at this time. Repeat a simple confession of faith and indicate your desire to be part of our family. Or if you want to pray with someone. You know, we... we we, we are sincere, we really mean it, that our elders will come forward and they will pray with you today. If there's something on your heart, if there's something that is weighing on you, we invite you to come forward and pray with us. When everything, though, may we seek the true wisdom, the true wisdom that God gives, the true wisdom that comes from heaven, that brings about peace and does away with selfish ambition and bitter envy, the true wisdom that comes from God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would make us truly wise, that you would give us the wisdom that comes from above, not to have trivial knowledge, but to have true wisdom, to make good choices, to make wise decisions. Father God, I thank you for the chance to get into the word today, to look at James's words on wisdom, and I pray that you would make our church a church of wise people, that we would be a church full of wisdom that seeks to do the right thing and bring about peace. Thank you for your son Jesus, who did just that, has brought peace between you and us, that we might live forever in your presence, enjoying the, the bountiful blessings, the, enjoying the victory that he has given us over sin and the enemy. Be with us now in the rest of this hour and in our time of, of sharing together in our fellowship lunch today. I thank you for the opportunity to serve this congregation. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.